recording. Happy Thanksgiving, happy almost Hanukkah. Usually, I know around here in Providence, it's just a very nice day. Whether people are doing Thanksgiving or not, they're typically in a pretty good mood. People are, it's a nice, it's, it's really a very nice day here. So, um, I call this the uh, Thanksgiving Hanukkah edition because um, Thanksgiving and Hanukkah actually um, putting all the, all the puns aside, uh, Thanksgiving is about Thanksgiving and uh, being thankful. And Hanukkah is all about the, the Hodos Olahalo. It's a day, it's a holiday, eight days of being thankful. So it's actually, uh, uh, obviously Hanukkah was thousands of years before Thanksgiving, but uh, you have that uh, overlap. So this week's Torah portion starts the saga which has become a Broadway musical of the story of Joseph. And this really is, we're getting deep into the origins of the Jewish people, going down to starting in Egypt. And the beginning of the Parsha starts off with the uh, very uh, intriguing, hard to understand story of Joseph in a technicolor coat. Uh, Joseph uh, seems to be in some way the favored son of Yaakov, and his father gives him the special coat, and complicated to some degree, the brothers are jealous, and then the, they end up wanting to kill him, and end up selling him, and then he goes to Egypt, and the whole story. So the, the Gemara in Shabbos, Yudam Abayz, uh, there's a commentator, a medieval commentator called Tosvis, who says there that, you know, obviously we're dealing with very high-level people. We probably wouldn't even notice the the slight that happened here. We're talking with very, very great, great people. Every one of them, the brothers, Yaakov. So what happened in this story requires a lot of study and 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 understanding. But on some level... We're supposed to learn from here that parents and people in general need to be mindful of not being the cause of someone being jealous of someone else. Because that's to some degree what happened here. On some level, um, the, the 11 other brothers, or 10 of them at least, were jealous to Yosef to some degree. And that could have been avoided. And it's a lesson for certain to parents and grandparents and relatives to not have any show or show any favoritism. But even amongst people, you know, we all know how someone can feel slighted when they think that someone who they care about likes someone else more than them. That's the first um, for our theme of love your neighbor. That's certainly a striking lesson that's there. So they sell Joseph, and then the Torah tells us the very, very um, puzzling story of how Yehuda, the fourth son Judah, who historically ends up being the brother who was the king, King David, King Solomon, the Mashiach will be from, 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 from Yehuda, 
And he was the leader, and he was the one who, um, to some degree, he lost his stature because the brothers, once they saw Joseph and they saw how upset their father was and they kind of got a chance to take a more uh, sobering look at things, and they, they regretted what they did, and Yehuda was the leader. And we all know how it works. If, if things don't go well, then who do you blame? Well, usually everyone blames the Jews, but there weren't Jews then. And it was the Jews themselves. So they blame the leader. And the Torah says that Yehuda kind of uh, takes a break from the family because he, he kind of he's, he lost his stature in their eyes. And Rashi discusses what exactly happened. It's like, you know, you got to analyze this a little bit. Because look at the story. They had, what was their complaint? Now, it wasn't like politics. This was a very sophisticated complaint. What was the complaint? That you didn't stop us. You are the leader. You were powerful. We would have listened to you. If you would have said stop, we would have stopped. Now, Rabbi Rucham Lubavitz points out that he actually did stop them. They were going to kill him. And he made a strategic suggestion. He's like, you know what? If I just say, don't kill him, leave him alone, they're not going to listen. So what did he say? He pushed the buck. He said, you know, um, I'm going to suggest that they sell him. And that way they'll, he'll get out of their hair, but they won't kill him. So he actually did do something, but he could have done more. And that, the um, the Rebbe uh, Ruchmavit says, is human nature. And it's, so on the one hand, we look to blame other people, but more importantly, we have to realize when we have the ability to help someone, then we need to. And people have, because ultimately people, realize that about and they're going to be upset at you so you're like you know what i want to help them but they're going to be upset you know they're going to be a lot more upset later when they realize how much you could have helped them and the chavitz chaim says something incredible he says even if they might go through life and never appreciate what you could have done when they go to the next world they're going to have clarity and they're going to see what you could have done for them so if you can help someone do something they should be doing or help someone to stop doing something they, they shouldn't be doing, that is something that even the person themselves, at the, and this is something which every parent knows and everyone who inspires the people, that, this, that you can't allow yourself to be totally blinded by the present and not help someone just because it'll be uncomfortable right now. It's going to be a lot more uncomfortable later if something bad happens and they realize you could have helped or even in heaven. In fact, Rehavitz Chaim says over a story with a man who was arrested in some village in Europe. And on the way back, on the way to the jail, he asked to stop at the rabbi's house. Okay? And he says, Rabbi, I just wanted to let you know this is your fault because you didn't ever try to stop me. Now, again, this isn't about if I do something wrong, I shouldn't blame someone else. I need to take full responsibility. 
But the idea is for me as someone who could help someone, it's something we want to think about before it's too late. Can we help someone? And it's something to tell you, someone in the community, someone who is a family member, this is something which we need to, can't get neurotic about, but we got to take very seriously about uh, what we can help someone with. All right, so this story continues. So Yehuda kind of makes a life for himself. He finds a woman. He marries her, has a few daughters, has a few sons. Two of them die. It's a real, it's a real mess. And then, so the law in Judaism is that, typically speaking, if a man dies without children, so the other, the brother, um, there's a mitzvah for him to marry that woman, and it will be like a way of building the brother's family. And after two of, of Yehuda's sons die marrying to this woman, he's like, I don't want this woman marrying my third son. I'll lose my third son. And it, there's somehow the situation kind of gets put on hold, and she's kind of waiting, hoping that he'll marry her. It doesn't happen. And in the meantime, this woman, Tamar, kind of forces the situation, dresses up as a prostitute, somehow gets her father-in-law, Yehuda, to, to be with her, and he, and he doesn't have money, and he gives her some of his personal belongings to, to collect money later. And then what happens is his daughter-in-law becomes pregnant, and everyone says, one second, what's going on over here? Yehuda's daughter-in-law is pregnant. Well, the law is that you have to either get basically a divorce or marry the family. And she hadn't done either, which means she wasn't allowed to be married to anyone. And Yehuda was the leader of the town. And he said, you know, basically, this woman had an affair. How else did she get pregnant? And it actually, the punishment at the time um, was uh, for having an affair uh, in this situation would it be to be killed. And, and um, this woman, Tamar, realized that she, she didn't have any affair. She was with her father-in-law, who actually had a mitzvah to some degree to be with her. And the basic bottom line is, is that she saw she was going to get killed. She's like, you know what? I, I have, I have a dilemma. I could in front of everyone say, you know, how I got pregnant, which would embarrass big time her father-in-law. So she's like, do I embarrass him or do I save my life? And she does a, had a brilliant idea. She gets up and she picks up the personal belongings. And she doesn't directly say to him, oh, you did it. She saved him face and holds up the, the items. It was a stick, a money belt, and says, whoever is the owner of these is the, per, is the father of this child. And Yehuda, at that point, um, he actually is man enough to say, actually, that was me, whatever it was. But the amazing thing we learned from this is how far we have to go to not embarrass people. She was almost willing to give up her life. In fact, the Talmud says that uh, Rabbi Yonah, one of the medieval commentators, says that, in fact, the person is to some, I don't know if we do this practically, but to some, the person is supposed to give up their life and not, and not embarrass someone. Imagine someone comes over to you and says, 
I'll kill you unless you embarrass someone. And I'm not saying what well, you should do it or not, but the point is you see how embarrassing someone is. It's just horrible. The, the Ramam says that the Talmud actually uses the words, it says it's a very strong word. In Bav Metziah it says, Kol hamalbin penei chavero barabin. Whoever whitens his friend's face. What does whiten mean? When you person gets embarrassed and it, the blood drains from their face, their face turns white. It says such a powerful word, and I'm not sure if it says this about almost anything else. It certainly does not say it if you murder someone. So what does it say? It says, the person has no place in the world to come. So we see how powerful it is to not embarrass people. Sometimes it's really hard, but we really, 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 really can't embarrass people. And then, now, what does it say? I'm not, not on that. Chavetz Chaim says, I'm going to be saying, what do you want from me? It wasn't me. Well, it says you have to be careful to not become part of a crowd that there's people in it that have no problem embarrassing people. Because then, to some degree, first of all, you might be affected. You might become an accomplice. Okay. Now, it's an interesting word that, that Tamar used. Because Tamar knew she wanted to not die. And she didn't want to embarrass him, and she wanted to accomplish everything, but she realized it would be extremely difficult. Most of us have a very hard time embarrassing ourselves. There are so many times we don't do things, even the right thing, because we're embarrassed. And Tamar knew that even though Yehuda knew the truth, it might be almost impossible the day of the truth. So she gave him a suggestion, some help. And what did she do? Torah says, she used the words and she said, Ha-ker-no, please recognize. What are they recognizing? So I saw an explanation, forgot who said it that she was saying that, remember God. Remember there's a God in the world. God knows. God always will know. And actually, that is the only way, if a person needs to embarrass themselves, sometimes the only motivation you can get is if you remind yourself, you know what? There's a right thing to do. God knows. No one else will know, but God knows. And we have to, sometimes people say, oh, you can be a good person if you don't believe in God. And I'm not saying there aren't some very good people who don't believe in God. But there is a point in time, if you don't have that belief in God or and the moral objectivity, when the human frailness that we all are, it's just we can't, we can't, we can't live up to it. And Tamar, Tamar, um, invoked that. She says, Yehuda, remember, no one else will know, but God will know. And you'll have to live with that. And he does rise to the occasion because he did believe in God. Flash forward. So Yosef goes, he's sold from one caravan to another caravan. And then he ends up in Egypt. 
and the house of a, the, 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 the butcher, the big grand chef of, um, of the, the big butcher house for Paro. And the famous story that the, he had a very pretty wife and Yosef was a very handsome fellow and she really liked Yosef and she wanted him to be with her and he would he kept um ig ignoring um a uh all the uh, advances from her and one day she just kind of really ramped it up and it got very close and, and, and he didn't sin but she got very angry and she made up a story and told her husband that this man tried to rape me and of course he has to listen to his wife even though it wasn't true and he gets put in jail. He's in jail. Here you go. And and here's the point. He becomes right away the right-hand man of the guy in charge of the jail. Everybody likes him. And one day he sees these two workers there who had been uh, officers of the king. It was a wine, the wine, the, the, the wine uh, person and the baker with their paro. And they were both not happy. And Yosef, who was in jail himself, who was in jail in a faraway land, and he knew he was there. It wasn't just. Torah says he went over and he asked them, why the long face? He tried to cheer them up. Now, Yosef had every reason in the world to just kind of wallow in his own suffering. But what did he do? He went and he went out of his way to cheer them up, even though he wasn't in the mood. And that's what we learn. We learn that it is so that there's a huge mitzvah to cheer someone up. And whatever you can do, and even when you're not in the mood, even if you have every excuse, in fact, actually, if you're in a bad mood, one of the, one of the best ways to get in a better mood is actually to uh, to help someone else. You'll become in a better mood. So. The, the story, a famous story, I think I've said it before, a story you said over about Chaim Zaychik, that there was a man who went and he put someone by gunpoint and after the person had a gun pointed at them. And for the next hour, the person just told, talked and talked and talked. The guy with the gun talked at the person. And after an hour, he calmly puts his gun back in his pocket. And he says, I'm really sorry about this, but I for weeks have been trying to get someone to listen to me and no one will listen to me. So I was desperate. So I figured the only way to get someone's attention was to put them at gunpoint. How horrible, but how, how important it is, how we to realize how people need to be listened to people need cheering up. And it's such a, such a, a chesed, such a kindness such that people, it's a basic human need, and certainly you want to do it for our loved ones, and then anyone else who we can. Talmud says that you have something that uh, bothers you, speak it over with someone else. You'll feel better about it. That's just how it works, and we know that. You know, uh, the mental health uh, industry uh, understands this very well. Uh, that uh, sometimes you, sometimes people need advice, but sometimes people just need someone to be uh, paid to, to listen to them. Okay. Famous story. 
When Napoleon was, after he would have major successes, he would throw big parties. And anyone at the party, either generals, people were supposed to say how wonderful Napoleon was. And at one particular party, none of the generals were kind of doing a very good job at entertaining and speaking and praising. Napoleon says, ah, you guys are, you guys are good, good for nothing. You know, we need a good speaker. Let's find a rabbi. True story. So they send out a messenger, finds the rabbi of the local city, and the rabbi got nervous. There's a knock at the door. Napoleon the soldiers. So they say, Rabbi, Napoleon would like you to come speak at his party. Because okay. Doesn't know what to do. Of course, he goes. He goes. And this is what he said. He said, the story with Joseph. What happened in the story of Joseph? Joseph, in the story, comes famous. He comes famous as a dream interpreter. These men who were in jail with him, they had these dreams, very puzzling dreams. He interprets them. And they become true. And one of the interpretations was that the, that the wine officer would get his job back. On the way out from the job, what happens? He says to the wine guy, basically, um, as you leave the jail, you know, don't forget about me. And it's interesting. Because usually when, certainly in those days, when someone led, left jail, they won't be a, very, be a person of much influence. They'll be a person non grata, probably not get their exact job back, kind of low profile. Well, why did Yosef feel it would be of any help to tell this fugitive who was leaving the jail that he would be able to help him at all? And I saw an amazing explanation. It said that Yosef wasn't giving him a request. To some degree, um, it's a, it was a statement. And the statement was that, no, you don't understand, Mr. Wine Person. Do you know why you're going to come out and you're going to actually, you're going to get your job back. And you're going to get back to the same glory you had before. And you know why? Because you're going to then be in a position that you can help me, help someone else. And that's why. Sometimes amazing things happen to us, and we wonder, why did this happen? And said the rabbi to Napoleon, he's like, you know what? You might wonder, why is Napoleon having so much success campaign after campaign? And the rabbi said, I'll tell you why Napoleon has so much success success because Napoleon has been very good to the Jews at that point in time everywhere he went it was good for the Jews he gave them more rights and he gave, treated them well and his blessing to Napoleon was that you should continue having much more success and realize that a big part of that success is because and so you're able to be nice to the Jews and as we go through life we have to you know pay attention and see what can we do what, 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 who can we help given our life situation? A lot of times that could be precisely why you've been put in the situation that 
that you're in. Time for a couple more ideas. So it says that Ruvain, um, the oldest brother, was he was also one of the, of the leaders when they were deciding what, what to do with Joseph. And he, it was actually his turn to go study with his father, Yaakov. So he had planned to come back and save Yosef from the well, from the pit that he was thrown into. And that's considered a very good thing that he was involved and, you know, kind of like help him get into the pit and I'll, he'll get him back later. And the Medrash says an amazing thing. And he Medrash comments this about a number of other biblical stories. And it says, you know, if that biblical figure would have known that because of what, <coughs> because of what they did, they would be praised, um, they would have done it even better job. Now, this is not meant to be a, a critique of the person. Oh, they would have wanted the honors. They would have done better. These were great people. They, the reason why they didn't do better is because sometimes we don't have a, we don't have clarity, and we have clarity. We could do things with more gusto and more confidence and better. And that was what um, we were saying about Ruvain. And the lesson from there is that the more clarity we have, the more we can accomplish. And this is the famous idea that it says, love your neighbor as yourself. What do you mean, love your neighbor as yourself? Because the more a person loves themselves, they have clarity on what it would mean to love someone else. People who never were loved have a hard time loving other people. They don't know what it means. And that's so the more clarity we get. If you want to be able to, in fact, treat other people nicely, make them feel loved, we have to get clarity on what that means. So one more idea. So in the story where it kind of, for now, it's kind of climaxed when Yosef is being seduced by this woman, and it keeps using the words hachutza, outside, outside. He, he, Yosef went outside. The same words, same Hebrew word. And the commentators say that it's actually not, it's obviously the basic story is that he went outside, but it's referring in a more uh, metaphysical sense to going outside the realm of nature. Yosef, to, to accomplish what he did, he needed to break his, 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 his physical limitations. He really went above and beyond. And that is really, sometimes a person says, you know what, you have a test in life, and I can't do that. But God wants us to push the limits sometimes. And know what happens when we push the limits? God tells us, you do as much as you physically and, and, and naturally can do, and I'll do the rest. And that is way, that's what Jewish people are expected to do. And that kind of segues into the la last thing I wanted to mention, the lesson of Hanukkah. Lesson of Hanukkah is Hanukkah's eight days. Eight always represents seven, like the seven days the world was created, seven days of the week. Seven always represents the seven is nature, eight is above nature. And that is one of the big lessons of Hanukkah. That, that Jewish people, we, we can't look at ourselves that we're limited 
by by what would make sense. We we are we are we have a special relationship with Hashem, and and that's what Hanukkah tells us. We see in Hanukkah the war didn't make sense, and the candles didn't make sense, and um, God willing, we'll be able to tap in to have a beautiful beautiful Hanukkah. We almost have two Shabbos Hanukkahs this year. And uh, that's a quick uh, quick wrap-up we talked about. Talked about the need to be careful not to, to not to be an accomplice to causing jealousy, showing favoritism, certainly in one's family and even amongst friends. It's a, it's a horrible thing when people feel and horrible things can happen uh, when um, people uh, feel like they are not uh not not liked as much we saw from rashi how important it is that people uh if you could help someone to help them the person themselves will realize it later and they'll come back and say why didn't you tell me why didn't you help me we saw how important it is to not embarrass other people you saw how important it is a person needs to embarrass themselves to do the right thing Got to have God in that back pocket or even the front pocket. So how important it is to cheer people up. People need to, need someone to listen. Such a favor. Anyone could do that. You learn the story with Napoleon, how, how sometimes you don't realize life sends you situations. And, and sometimes there's a spe- it could be for a very special reason. You're the right person at the right time to help someone or to accomplish something. We saw how clarity can really help a person do what do what they need to do. We saw how, in order to what a lot of times was necessary is to go above nature, and that is what Hanukkah represents: the eight days, eight days for being above nature. You have a wonderful Shabbos.